Bills make me wanna shout. Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. I'm Lars. Tonight with us, the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton is here. Hi, guys. And the president of the Chicago Bills backers, Sujit, joining us as well. What up? Find us at BillsAndBeers.com. That'll take you directly to our Facebook page. Tell all your friends in Bills Nation to listen to our podcast. And thank you, listener, for tuning in. Subscribe on iTunes. Tell all your friends. Here we go. Call your mama. You got the spirit. A lot of spirit, yeah. You got the the playoffs slipped further and further from reality after a terrible, terrible loss in Pittsburgh on Sunday. The Bills haven't won in Pittsburgh in now what seems like decades. I think they said before the game, which I thought meant we were going to for sure win, because whenever they give those stats, that means that it's surely to be broken. Not the case. Terrible execution on both sides of the ball for the most part. It was tough to watch. Uh, Cass, we'll start with you. It was a bad loss. It was a conference loss. Who is your Genesee Cremail bummer of Sunday's game? Oh, goodness. I, I remember being at the bar and being like, oh, there's one, there's another one, there's another one. Oh, yep, there's another one. Uh, I mean, EJ, I think, is the, the obvious answer. Um, but... You don't have to name all of Yeah, Genesee EJ's Cremail. fine. I know, but I feel bad for him. He... Coming off, you know, his first game back, I, I, I don't want to put all that on him. Um, I think I'm going to go with Scott Chandler. Again? Yes. Again. He is just on my crap list this season. Okay. And, and that's because I think overall I feel like we can be much stronger in the tight end position, and I would love to see us have, like, a strong, powerful tight end, a la Vernon Davis or uh, what's his name, Graham. I mean, some most of the Gronkowski, I'm talking, like, the teams that are very strong right now all have strong tight ends. Um, so I'm going to go with Chandler. Just just mediocre. Okay, fair enough. Suge, uh, there's, there's literally no shortage of players to pick from this week. Uh, so I imagine there's, between the two of us, there's two guys. So probably whoever you say, I'll say the other one. So why don't you go ahead and, and say the person that I'm not going to say. So I'm going with EJ Manuel. You know, as much as I think that, yes, he's a rookie, he's only played five NFL games, he's... Uh, you know, he's coming off of a uh, an, an injury and he's been out of the game. I mean, if Jeff Tool, the undrafted free agent, is going to be a Jenny Cream male player of the week, then EJ Manuel, a first-round draft pick with more experience than Jeff Tool, and, you know, and, and has been in the system for, for just as long, uh, and the same amount of preparation as Jeff Tool got, uh, you know, he... Didn't perform, you know, and Thad Lewis destroyed all of them, in my opinion. I mean, the stats may not be there. In the first half of the season, I did remember going back and looking at the QB rating of EJ Manuel and the games that he played versus what Thad Lewis has done. And EJ Manuel had a higher rating, but man, besides the last game that Thad Lewis uh, played, you know, I felt like he was serviceable. Um, with EJ, it was just, God, it was, it was shades of Trent Edwards with, you know, going to the check down guy every, every time and, um, you know, we were talking a little bit about the all 22, about people being open downfield and he just not being able to get through his progression. There was a lot of talk about footwork and he, you know, his, he was rushing through his footwork. So he wasn't allowing routes to develop. And, you know, these are all just fundamental things that you shouldn't have to, I mean, I understand it if you're an undrafted free agent, but you're a first round draft pick. Um, and you know, 
gosh, uh, Geno Smith, as much as I hate him, you know, he's kind of started to come into his own. Um, now, granted, he wasn't injured during the season, but he was injured all the preseason. And so, I don't know, I'm just, I'm disappointed. I do think that he can be better than he is. Uh, I don't, I now question where his ceiling is, though. I thought for sure you were going to say Stephon Gilmore. I'm actually quite surprised that either of you went to EJ Manuel first. Obviously, he was a letdown, but not nearly as big of a letdown as CJ Spiller was. He was benched for at least one and a half quarters. The All-22 showed precisely why. He was trying to balance everything to the outside. CJ said as much earlier in the season that he had reverted to some of his old habits. It's clear that he has now. Doug Marone even alluded to it in his press conference saying that they need more out of their running backs. They need their running backs not to bounce to the outside all the time. And I, I'm getting to the point now where I would not be surprised if we cut, traded, or in some way, shape, or form dealt C.J. Spiller in the offseason and looked, as I said last week, to pick up a fourth or fifth round running back who can just find a crease and run to the open space because that's not what C.J. Spiller is doing. He's trying to make space when it already exists, and he's doing a terrible job of finding it. And I maintain that if he does that, like he did against Kansas City, he makes E.J. Manuel look a lot better because it lessens what the defense is able to do. The Steelers were routinely putting 10 guys right at the line of scrimmage because we had no way of breaking through. If C.J. makes him respect that he's going to run to the middle of the field, then that's going to make our quarterback's job a lot easier. He's going to have a lot easier pre-snap reads right on down the line. So, C.J., you got to get your act together, buddy. I mean, this is year four for you, and we saw a glimpse of it last year. We saw a glimpse of it last week in Kansas City or against Kansas City, but boy, last Sunday was deplorable. On the flip side, though, it wasn't all bad. We did actually have some pretty good performances, again, from a couple players who we keep mentioning in this portion of our show, and I'm damn glad that they bring it every week. So, Cass, back to you now. Who was your Labatt Blue MVP of Sunday's game? You know, a lot of people didn't show up to the game this past week, but there there were two people that actually did, and it was the chefs. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. I said that to my buddy. I was like, oh, the chefs made the trip. So, uh, you know, thanks, guys. Appreciate you showing up. We've, I've been to a few games like that. I apologize. I'm sure that drive back to Buffalo was not very good. Um, on the player side, I, I'm going to go with, you know, I don't think he had an outstanding performance by any means. You know, it was a shine shine out, but um, Kyle Williams, he was he was every single play. You know, he's trying his best. Um I forget what happened, but you know, you know, he he's running down players down the field. He's, you know, doing I just like his attitude out there. So I did, there wasn't a lot of positive, but I'm going to I'm going to go with him. He's been the workhorse since 2006 and the guy just doesn't miss a beat and, you know, We've been saying it for years now on this podcast, but Kyle Williams can be relied upon. So if you're going to give the MVP to the chefs, I want to just hopscotch for a minute and go back to the Genesee Cream Ale Bummer of the Week, what I thought of earlier today. I'd also like to nominate the Blue Pants for Bummer of the Week. I hate those things. I've, when I hear people say in Bill's Nation that they love those uniform kits, I'm, I, I look at them as if they've never seen anything which even remotely resembles fashion sense in their entire life. Those clown pants... Never a big fan. We've never really performed well when wearing them. We look sharp and we play nicely in the all-whites. I don't know why we don't ditch the blue pants altogether. Uh, but we are in the MVP portion, so Suge, coming over to you. You know, it fascinates me when we talk about Buffalo Bills football, all these dudes that are like being all tough and talk about the critique that goes into the fashion <laughs> and the uniform. I mean, like... People, the literally within 10 minutes of the new uniform being, 
you know, released, are posting on Two Bills Drive or all the other Bills forums about, oh, look at this new uniform. It's gorgeous. I just, I, it's just, I, I, it's fine. Whatever. You know, you like the uniforms, you don't like the uniforms. I don't <laughs> care. It's fine, but it's just like, there's such passion that goes in. And maybe it's just because people are just passionate about the Bills. But anyways, my Labatt Blue uh, MVP of the game um, is actually going to go to Aaron Williams. Um, I think that, you know, he did great in the beginning of the season. He kind of fell off, but I, I think that he's shown himself to be great in coverage. Um, he's, you know, didn't get picked on very much because he had his guy wrapped up, uh, you know, as my way of getting Stefan Gilmore, the secondary Genesee cream ale, um, uh, bummer of the week, you know, Gilmore was getting torn up out there and, uh, and I thought that Aaron Williams, when he was thrown at, either wrapped his guy up or uh, defended the pass. Um, so I'm very happy with what's happened with Aaron Williams over the course of the year. It's one of the very few players, maybe in addition to Jerry Hughes, uh, and obviously Kiko Alonso, um, but you know, in terms of someone not being that great before they came and are doing great now, um, you know, the development has been has been really encouraging. So before the uh, Chiefs game, I was listening to WGR, and at that point they were giving out the midseason grades and talking about the most improved players from last year. And I think that there's four guys who easily could qualify. Aaron Williams was one of the ones mentioned. Leotis McKelvin was another one mentioned. Marcel Darius and Mario Williams. And if- Aaron, Aaron Williams won uh, most improved player in uh, preseason as well. Oh, for the Bills he for did? For the Bills, yep. Like internally or through a media outlet? No, I think as as voted on internally by the team. I remember his name. He was he was voted most improved or biggest difference, biggest step up in, in preseason. Oh, great. Well, good for him. Uh, but in that same vein, i got to give mine to Marcel Darius. He did cost us four points, but... Uh, uh, yeah, but, you know... I, but that was one, actually one of the things that the announcers and my buddy said, too, is like, you don't often see a hard count on a field goal, so... You know, he got caught being aggressive. It, it wasn't him. I mean, the, the, basically the entire line went that's, off. That's also very true that he was not even remotely the closest yeah. guy to being the first to win in there. But if you want to talk about a person like Aaron Williams, who's had a complete resurgence this year under Mike Pettin, it's Marcel Darius. I want to transition now before we get into talking about the Steelers, talking a little bit about Pettin and talking a little bit about Nathaniel Hackett. Let's start with Pettin. Some people are saying that he's not long for Buffalo, that he will soon be offered a head coaching job elsewhere. I countered that claim with two things. One, he's under contract in Buffalo. The reason we were able to get him from the Jets is because his contract was up. And two, not every great coordinator is a great head coach. And likewise, not every great coordinator has aspirations to be a head coach. Pettin doesn't exactly strike me as the kind of charismatic leader of men it takes to be an NFL head coach. I think he's right within his niche to be a defensive coordinator. How say you? Well, I will say one thing. I I feel like you know he took a lateral move, um, which is always interesting. You know, it it does. But he also wanted to get quote out of Rex's shadow. Right, but I guess the, the 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 flip side of that is that why do you want to get out of Rex's shadow? Because you want to be identified as being the man who who kind of runs the scheme. Why? You know, because there's opportunity for you moving forward. Um, and you know, he went from a big market team to a small market team. So I do think that the guy probably has aspirations. I think it's rare to be a, a defensive coordinator or a big time coach in the NFL for any position and not ultimately have the dream of you know I'm going to run the whole show. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there's probably some people that just kind of like the technical aspects and want, want to be position coaches and things like that. 
Um, but the flip side of that is that even I don't think that the rest of the NFL is quite as fickle as we're suggesting that they are. I mean, Chan Gailey had amazing three-year runs with uh, with Dallas, you know, and, uh, you know, where they, they made the playoffs the first year, and, you know, his offense was high-powered. He did, you know, with the Kansas City Chiefs, he, had, you know, did a good job, at least with, um, God, who was it, the, the Patriots backup that was playing up there? Not cancel? No, uh, no, it was Pen. Um, yeah, with Tyler Thigpen. Yeah, he was already, yeah. So, I mean, so I think that, uh, you know, I think that, I, I don't think that one season really makes a person. Uh, and then the flip side is that, you know, it's us that are you, looking you, deeper you into the... You flipped it around now twice. So this what? is the, the third flip side? He just keeps flipping it. He keeps flipping it. I'm the, I mean, I'm, the th- I'm looking at a dodecahedron, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so I, on the flip side of that, um, so I, I think that um, he, you know, we've talked about the fact that our stats lie, and when you actually look at the per-possession yardage given up, per-possession points given up, we actually rank in the higher echelon of, of defenses. Maybe not the elite, but close to the elite defenses. Uh, but, you know, the average public doesn't look at those. They look at 23rd in rushing defense, you know, 28th in passing defense. Points. You know, yeah, and points. I mean, we're giving up huge, huge numbers. And there's games like yesterday or last last week where, you know, it just didn't it didn't pan out. Like, I understood against Kansas City where they're giving, make, you know, make them go three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, and then finally they just get exhausted because they're on the field so much. Um, you know, this game, I didn't feel like that played out. Now, granted, at the end of the first half, they had doubled the time of possession as as we did. Um, but still, I just didn't feel like they, besides the first few uh, possessions, I didn't feel like they had that that type of thing. So I think that, you know, we're safe in that regard. Yeah, and I think Bills fans are looking at how bad we played last year and that the defense we have right now, which is slightly above average, looks elite in comparison, but elite it is not, at least not yet. Uh, on the flip side now, Bill, uh, the the consummate Bills and Beers member, been with us since the beginning, not here tonight, but he did ask us to throw in his two cents, that being that Nathaniel Hackett may in fact be the problem. You see a lot of people out there complaining about play calling. Bill has long pounded the drum that in the NFL it all comes down to coaching, that the talent level really doesn't make all that much of a difference. We've already given the bummer of the week to three different offensive players, so I think there's some consensus here that execution and not game plan was the issue on Sunday. But Bill's point was that um, he doesn't think that Marone would hesitate to sever ties with with Hackett if, if he was, in fact, the problem. I don't want to talk about whether or not Hackett's the problem because I think we're all in agreement that he is not, although Cass looks like you want to disagree. I just don't think Hackett can hack it. Okay, well, that, oh, that, there it is. There it is. <laughs> she saved that one. Oh, boy. I like Noah she nailed it. Uh, I would, however, like to talk about, now, we signed before the Kansas City game a guy from Canada named Stephen Charles, who was an impact player against Kansas City. He was again on Pittsburgh. I don't know if you guys saw him when he was on the field. That man is an absolute monster. His calves are about as big as his head, which is about as big as his shoulders. He looks like a superhero out there. I mean, the guy is just an absolute 
beast, and he has been an impact player. He's a defensive lineman. We just signed another defensive lineman today. We let go one guy with an African name and then signed another guy with an even more extreme African name. I can't even begin to pronounce it. I'm not even kidding. It's like six consecutive syllables. I haven't even read about the guy. I got the alert, and I just kind of put my phone down like, oh, here we go. The point being, however, it's clear that this administration is not settled. They are going to be finding players, cutting players, getting guys who work, getting rid of those who don't. So my question to you is not whether or not Nathaniel Hackett's job is safe, but whether or not we are done looking for a quarterback. Cass, I'm coming to you. You know, I I don't I would say right now, no. They're not settled on EJ being being the quarterback and definitely guarantee you that. Um, let's give them a few more games. Let's, let's see how this goes. I mean, I, for once we might actually have a good second half of the season. Well, I want to, and just as a caveat, I don't mean they're going to bring in a guy for this season to play quarterback. I think it's clear that EJ is going to be the guy for the remainder of 2013. I mean, more so are they, would we be surprised to see a second, third, fourth round quarterback drafted or even a free agent brought in? I mean, I can definitely see that on the free agent side. Um, bringing in somebody with more experience. I mean, just because of injuries. I mean, it's definitely shown this well, year. Well, then Kevin Cobb. And then he got injured. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're a little screwed. I, I, I am hoping that EJ proves himself, but I, I think it's, I mean, he, he has the rest of the season. He has what? It's six more games? And then nothing is certain. Yeah, and then, but, but he can prove himself or he can, he can give it back. Um, but that's it. And I, I think this will be his – this is his one chance. Okay. I think that as a first-round de- draft pick, usually it's reasonable to afford a person an entire season. Uh, I mean, look at Peyton Manning's first season. Uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was pretty bad, you know. Okay. Hold on. Let me just – a quick caveat there. It was bad. One of the reasons it was bad is because he was taking risks and not making the throws. EJ's not even making the throws. He's He's fundamentally not – aligning with the play calls and with the system that's been created for him to play in. Well, that's true. That's true. But, I mean, Peyton didn't also didn't have the ridiculous number of touchdowns. It's not like he had high touchdowns, high interceptions. He had more interceptions than touchdowns. Right. Um, so, you know, the in the risk-reward system, you should also see quite a few touchdowns. Um, kind of similar to Andrew Luck did. You know, his, his, you know, when he's played bad, he's thrown a lot of picks. Mm-hmm. Um, but like then when Sunday. he's played well, yeah, like like <laughs> Sunday. Did you see that? He just threw that ball right at that person. Anyways. <laughs> oh, you mean on uh, 31 on the goal line? Oh, no, that was Jeff Toole. Sorry. Oh, that was so bad. Well, that's all right. Our former Bills quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, literally gave the ball to a defensive <laughs> lineman. Or, sorry, to a, to a blitzing cornerback. Um, so anyways, I mean, I think that EJ has more time. And this was my big bummer when he got when he went down for the season. I said, well, Damn it! No matter what, he's going to come off five weeks of injury. He's going to have five games left, which means we're going to be able to have what maybe ten games of a season. Um, and the first five games, he came off injury where he didn't get to play at all. And then the second five games, he's going to come off injury where he didn't get to play at all. So there's no continuity. There's no way to really judge him. Now, am I thrilled? Am I excited? Or do I feel like oh, there's no way this guy's bad? No, you know, but that's what frustrates me is because I feel like it's going to take us another year. Now, the flip side of that is, ah, <laughs> the flip side, um, was that there's there's not a lot of great quarterbacks coming out this year. Um, so I think it's reasonable to spend, you know, 
even a, as high as a second, third, fourth round draft pick on a quarterback. I don't want us to pick another sixth round quarterback because um, that's only worked once. It was with Tom Brady, um, you know. But I want us to pick someone in the range of Colin Kaepernick, where he was drafted back in you know back at that time, or even Russell Wilson. Um, you know, someone that. God, you know, they got a lot of spunk, they got a lot of uh, promise, and it might not work in the NFL, but it might, you know, that type of thing. Um, but I, I don't think that we're done looking. You know, and I think that EJ gets the beginning of next year after a full off season in the system, um, and then we'll see where he goes. But I think it's going to be one of those things where we get a free agent quarterback, um, or maybe we get a second or third round draft pick that looks promising. Uh, and then eight games into the season, that's when you start changing ship, you know, and you either let the free agent come in and play the remainder of the season to see what you can salvage, uh, and then you start looking for a high-round draft pick. Um, and yeah, that's going to be going into third year of Marone, and then you wonder about, oh, are we going to have to change coaches because people are saying it's not working out? Ah, you know, it's like the never-ending cycle hey, of the Bills. But the bills. Uh, I, I kind of agree on all points. Uh, I would like to see my favorite quarterbacks are the ones – Coming out of college, I, I think that well, – how do I say this? One of the, I think one of the biggest predictors of quarterback success in the NFL is college success. And not necessarily stats, but also wins. I think you need to find a guy who's used to winning. Manuel did so. Now there's a question mark because they got the, the redshirt freshman in Florida yeah. State who's doing better than Manuel ever did. I, I hate that storyline. But even give me a guy from Division Three, give me a guy from Division Two, give me a guy from the NAIA who never lost a game in college, put up monster stats, because that guy's got some kind of swagger about him that mm-hmm. that some quarterbacks don't even have. We're seeing it right now with Case Keenum, you know, undrafted guy, but he comes out there and throws the ball with reckless abandon, is having a lot of success. Why? Because he's just used to it. I don't know. It was a big test for EJ on Sunday. He failed miserably. He's got a bigger one coming up. In Buffalo, this Sunday, division rival New York Jets made a fool of him last time. They're coming off their bye week, and we absolutely, positively, under no circumstances, can lose and still expect to make the playoffs, which I'm still expecting, by the way. Uh, We'll talk about it now. So it's our fourth division game. We're one and two thus far. The Jets coming off their bye. We do have them at home. And then finally, we get to limp into our own bye week. Dear God, week 12 bye. I mean, this poor team, it's young. Everyone's learning on the fly. They have not had a chance to regroup. I have to believe that some of that is to blame, or excuse me, some of our woes are to blame on that. But what, you know, what can you do? You play the schedule that you're given. But boy, this New York Jets coming into town. They uh, they effectively shut down CJ and EJ Manuel. It was a lot like the Pittsburgh game last Sunday. At least they have those mistakes to learn from, and at least this time we're playing at home. I'm not entirely sure what the weather is supposed to be like. It's supposed to get up to 60 here in Chicago this weekend. I don't know if Buffalo is going to be the same way or not. Cass, I don't think you're feeling very good about this game. Uh, you know what? I actually feel like I am. <laughs> Shockingly. <laughs> you just changed. False. False. Large, you are wrong. Um, no, I, you know what I am excited about? I'm excited to see how this team's going to react. I'm excited to see how EJ's going to react. I'm excited to see how CJ's going to react. I'm excited to see how Marone's going to react. 
you know, even the crowd excited to see kind of what the wind's out of our sails right now. I mean, we are down and depressed. And I think this is a really good opportunity to see what the team is made out of. So I'm, I'm actually pretty excited. Now, am I expecting great things? No. But I would like to be proven wrong. Okay. I mean, yes. Our, our Collectively, our backs are against the proverbial wall. They don't have a choice. I mean, at this point, if they lose again, then the season's basically over. They're going to go in their bye week knowing that the last, the last five games of the season are completely futile. So... Yeah, it's a huge game. I mean, the season rests on this game, and it's a division game nonetheless. And while we're certainly not going to win our division with New England's record right now, that sixth spot, I, I know you guys are thinking I'm crazy, but like it's still up for grabs. It's still out there. The, with the Chargers losing, as of right now, it's the Jets. It belongs to the Jets. If the playoffs were to start tomorrow, the New York Jets are the sixth team to make it in from the AFC. I know it's hard to believe, but that's the reality. So if we win this game, we are Cassie. Right in the hunt. The whole season's over. <laughs> no, I, you know, whatever. Do I think statistically we're going to make the playoffs? No. But I, what I think is most important is this is where we figure out what the team's made of. You know, a team that's a great team plays for pride. You know, plays for, you know, what it means to them to play in the NFL and to play in at an elite level. Now, I do think that our team is young enough and dumb enough to buy into that and to not be quite as jaded as maybe some veteran teams where they're like, ah, this season's over. I better just start you know, getting my agent together so that I can figure out where I'm going to go afterwards. Um, you know, and I, I also think that from the coaching side, I think that a lot of these guys recognize that they're coaching for their jobs and some of the veteran players are playing for their jobs. Um, C.J. Spiller, not... You know, not 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 um, immune to that either. You know, he's year four. Next year will be year five, and then what do you do? You know, if if he's never been able to kind of make that turn, um, you know, someone will always say, "Oh, but the one time he was a featured back, he was great." Um, and ever since that time, he's never been the featured back, and so he never got into rhythm. I don't know. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that in the next five games, five games. Six. Six games left. Oh, so maybe I was misjudging EJ. I mean, seven games is a decent amount of time that you can get a sense of what a quarterback's going to do. Now, that also depends on the rest of his team not giving up on the season. Um, you know, I, don't, I know that Freddie won't. You know, I know that Kyle Williams and Marcel Darius, and, you know, I'll, I'll give it to him. I'll, I, I don't think that Mar- Mario Williams will either. Yeah. Um, I know that Stevie won't. Stevie gets pissed off on the last game of the season, but um, I think that it's a matter of this young team maybe just being wide-eyed enough that they are super excited about just being able to play and having the opportunity and playing for pride and coming from college programs where losing was not acceptable right. um, and, you know, that that they that they feel that way. So it's just it's really a matter of if they can make that turn, then I think that we have a lot to look forward to. And, you know, that's one thing I always worry about with these guys is because you're right. They're coming from college programs where they didn't lose. Presumably they came from high school programs where they didn't lose. So this is a new thing for them. I was a uh, college athlete, and I came from several programs where every year we were competing for league championships. We won the state championship in the sport that I played in college. 
we never we never won less than 20 basketball games the entire time I played all the baseball seasons we were in we were right in the district championship and then when I got to college like we were lousy and it was weird like I didn't know how to deal with it I didn't know like it was totally different than anything I'd ever been with and suddenly I felt completely detached from the whole project and I I worry that sometimes our players get into that mindset because these guys have never lost in their lives let alone on a continuing basis the only thing I have to object to there is, as much as I hate my job sometimes, I get a paycheck every two weeks that makes me kind of feel a little bit better. So these guys are getting paid a serious amount of money um, that they, I think every two weeks they can probably look inside their bank account and be like, oh, I, I can find a reason to pull it together this week. Like, hmm, yeah. So. And I agree. And I, I don't think this team's giving up, and I don't think – that Doug Marone has instilled a culture wherein that's even an option. And in fact, based on what we know from his time in Syracuse, if there are players on this team that give up the the ship, they're going to be gone. I mean, there was a lot of players that transferred and just straight up quit in Syracuse because they couldn't handle Doug Marone. I mean, the guy's the guy's kind of a blowhard. I can see, I can see how he'd probably be difficult to tolerate on a day to day basis. But but let's talk about the reality of Sunday's game. Stevie is questionable to play. So is Robert Woods. So we're going into this game, a game that we need all cylinders pumping with one hand tied behind our back if our one and two receivers can't play. The Jets' defense is coming off a bye week. Rex Ryan, you know, was on the phone with his buddy, or excuse me, his brother Rob, who also gave this offense fits. So is it even remotely realistic to assume that we can beat this team up and down the field? So I I think that it is, but I think that, you know, it's predicated on certain critical factors. We are not going to be able to stack up at the line and beat the Jets running up the middle. That's just not going to happen. We've got to work out of screens. We've got to work out of swing passes. We've got to be pulling our guards. I know we don't have fast guards, but we have got to be moving our offensive line around, and we have to be able to create space for CJ to run in, and heck, even for Freddie to run in. And Freddie's got to be catching the ball. How often do you see Freddie in a passing route? That's not a screen class. Well, you know, or even CJ, you know, in a crossing route. I, I doubt we'll see Freddie. He basically got killed yeah. on one yeah. of those short he passes. Did. And he got up and he was like, come on. Like, he was not happy with EJ after that. Or, yeah, with EJ after that. Yeah, but you know what? Andre Reid got lit up several times getting passes from Jim Kelly, and you get up and you go to the next play. It's part of the game. Yes. Is he a perfect, is, is, is EJ a perfect quarterback? No. Is Freddie a perfect running back? Absolutely not. You know, and, and, and maybe, you know, when CJ dances around behind the line, EJ could make the same face. Like, look what you're doing to my passing game. Because now, you know, they don't have to respect that. They can put people in the back. Now, I think that's what's happening. Not, not really, but... Um, I mean, everybody is, is, is dependent on everybody else. It's a team sport. Um, so I think that we've got to be able to find space for our running backs. And that is not going to be run on first down, run on second down from the read option, and then throw a pass. It's just not working. And I do understand why Bill gets frustrated with the play calls because that's what it looks like. It looks like play, uh, you know, read option run. That's never a read option because it's always just given to the running back on first down and second down, and then a pass from third and nine, third and ten, third and eleven. 
so I think that you know we have got to, the running backs have got to get the yardage that's there, um, and then we've got to put them in a position where they can be successful, which is not crowding the line and running it in. Why do you? That's the same reason why our our goal, goal line offense has been so horrible because we've tried to do it the traditional way and we're just not that team. Uh, we do have a good offensive line, but once stacked in the box, you know, our linebacker, the, the opponent's linebackers, they, they destroy that line. And the one thing I think that we all can take solace in is, is we our last drive, granted, I mean, probably the game was over, but EJ had a really great final drive there, you know, to put seven points on the board at the end of the game. You know, he went to Easley, he went to Greg, right, the tight end. I mean, Stevie was out, Woods was out, and he was going to, to some no-namers out there, and, and those guys are making catches and, and advancing the ball. So I'm going to just take hope that that rolls over, you know, that EJ's able to say, hey, I did do that well, and it was the end of the game, and I can build off that. It's been said a lot of times, but these guys don't care nearly as much as the fans but it's also been said that EJ is kind of the intangible guy. He's the leader of men. Let's hope that EJ understands that the future of this franchise and everybody who roots for it is more or less in his hands, and that he's up for the he's up for the task, up for the responsibility, and that he'll he'll take it on head first. We'll find out on Sunday. This is a must win game. It's gonna be nice to have a bye week finally. Eleven weeks in a row of watching this team play has been utterly exhausting. I'm sure they're. Looking forward to the vacation, too. Let's hope that they go into it with happy thoughts. Coming up on the end of this week's episode, so that can only mean one thing, Cass Sujit. It's time for the wild card portion of today's episode. It's the wild card. And this week we were graced with a legendary mic'd up segment from buffalobills.com. We've been critical of some of the mic'd up segments in the past because, quite frankly, nobody ever says anything. Kiko's was okay, but um, leading up to this week there really wasn't any performances of note. Uh, I'm fairly certain that's because they can't put on a website that is sponsored by the team, most of the language that I'm sure that microphone is picking up throughout the game. But this week's did not disappoint. It was Leotis McKelvin, and if you haven't already, please do yourself a favor and watch the three-minute-long, unintelligible, completely (laughs) indecipherable ramblings of a lunatic (laughs) that you would obviously expect to see from our boy Leotis. Nine ladies (laughs) dancing... So, Cass, I'll come to you first. Evidently, this is going to be a weekly installment on buffalobills.com, and since we know that the web engineers for buffalobills.com, as well as many of the marketing and communications team in general, are listening to this very podcast, you have their ear, so tell them, who should be the next mic'd up player for the Buffalo Bills? This is a tough one, because I got two. But I feel like he doesn't get in there a ton, but every time he gets in there, he gets in a fight. Oh, Lee Smith? Lee Smith. (laughs) I mean, it would be three minutes total of probably mic time that you get, but it would be three quality minutes. And he did it against Pittsburgh. He drew a 
he drew a 15 yard person. The guy, I don't know what he's saying or what he's doing when the play is over, but the guy is unbelievably good at drawing personal foul penalties and getting into half brawls in almost every game that he plays in. Oh, yeah. So yep, put a mic on that boy and let's sit, kick back and uh, watch that one. Yeah. No, that's a great pick. That's a great pick. Suge, have you come up with yours yet? I have. So I've decided that, you know, we need showtime. We need a little, a little, little touch of T.O.'s, the ghost of T.O.'s past. And I feel like the only person that can even come close to that is Stevie J. We had Stevie. It was boring. All right, so let's not do Stevie J then. <laughs> I think that, you know, you know who actually might be good is... Um, I'm going with C.J. Spiller. Just because I think it would be interesting. He he yaps a lot. Yeah, I would like to hear what he's saying. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I was going to do a jig behind the line for about 15 minutes and then go run for the touchdown. But what had happened was (laughs) the linebacker showed up and stopped my dance, and then it was all over. So, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what's what's he going to say when he's, like, tackled for yards? He And you can see a lot. Have we heard from Marcel? Uh, yes. I can't remember. I, I think feel, so. I feel like Marcel will talk about some good food. That's the other thing. <laughs> oh, like Hold on. Why don't we pass it back over to Lars? Uh, I know who mine would be easily, and Cass, I'm surprised you didn't go with him, although your pick is by far the best. Eric Wood, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, we already know that he is a he's a world-class shit-talker from his famous line to Aaron Mabin after Aaron Mabin put the cheap shot on Fred Jackson telling him to give him back all the money he hasn't made yet. Uh, and, you know, we get to hear him making the calls. You know, I, I wonder if they would put what I guess would be considered proprietary information like that out there. But I would love to hear, like, the banter that he is responsible for that gets the offense ready for plays. Uh, and I'm sh- I'm sure that he has some very intelligent, very sarcastic, over-their-head things to say to the complete boneheads in a 400-pound body that he lines up opposite of on a week-to-week basis. The, the, the other one that I would like to hear would be Frank Summers. <laughs> Just... I feel like growls pretty sure, pretty or sure like Frank Summers speaks Spanish because um, I don't. I, nobody knows anything about. Frank yeah, Summers. yeah. So I think the, I just started following him on Instagram. I'm kind of excited. Wow, <laughs> you follow every single Bills player on Instagram, don't you? Instagram Bachelor, Bachelorettes. I have a very strange beauty pageant winners. I have a very strange Instagram following. You were just talking about all of the Bills players since we are still in the wild card portion who were uh, showing off their first experience with snow this year, our rookies, Robert Woods and Goodwin. and Marquise Goodwin. So, you know, welcome, there's, boys. There's welcome, boys. You know, there's they looked completely out of place in the snow. I think one of them were, was wearing a damn raccoon hat <laughs> and, and, like, sweatpants. Like, there was no, like, winter jackets. Someone... <laughs> Please take these boys to the spider store or snow country or whatever the current winter store is there. Someone get them some winter clothing, okay? You can't just wear 17 windbreakers, okay? You can, I know layers are good, but you have to have some winter clothes, okay? So that brings us to the prediction portion of this week's episode. New York Jets coming to the Ralph. It's a, a make-or-break game for this team. As we've already gone over today, Cass, what is your prediction for Sunday's game. 
two minutes left to go in the game. I'm going to get a buzz on my phone from ESPN Sports Center telling me once again that the Bills are in a close game, but they are going to win 23 to 17. Wait, are you not going to be at the game to watch? Oh, no, I'll be there. My phone still buzzes. Oh, okay. <laughs> you get the alerts just in case. Just in case you're watching a fantasy. Suge? I'm not sure if the Bills have won since I've joined this podcast. I don't think so. But I've definitely predicted that they've won every single game. <laughs> so here it is. Never, ever done it before. The Bills lose this game. Bills 10 Jets 31. And everyone, that was Sujit. Thank you for joining us, and he won't be back. <laughs> yeah. No, I think they won the Miami game, So, but you have not yet predicted a loss. I am also predicting a loss. I'm, I'm just going into it assuming they're going to lose. I mean, I, I, I thought that they were going to win on Sunday, and thankfully I was viciously hungover, so that was more so what my focus was on. And I didn't have enough energy to be mad or glad about the outcome of the game. So, so you know... You have to understand, Cassie. You don't have to like give me a hard time about it because it's already like internally hurting me. But my idea behind it is that I've predicted a win, <laughs> and we've lost. So let's predict. And I would just like to beg all of our re- listeners out there, all four hundred, however five hundred, and I'll probably as of next week is probably going to be ten thousand. Um, I would just please beg you. Forgo chips and salsa. <laughs> so everyone at the at the Lincoln stations here in Chicago, Illinois, know that if you're at our table, you cannot have chips and salsa touch the table. Yeah, I mean chips and salsa are delicious, but I <laughs> I ate chips and salsa, and our first Super Bowl, and we lost. And then I since that time, what was was the eighty. 90, 91? 20-something years. years that I have never, ever, ever seen the Bills win when chips and, ta- chips and Salsa has touched my table. So maybe it's just me, but all I know is that all these guys now at least slightly believe... Cassie almost lost her mind at her at her wedding party of the Cleveland game when someone put chips and salsa down on her table. And sure enough, guess what we did that game. So I just say that we just banned chips and salsa across the Bills Nation and just see what happens. Crazier things have happened. Uh, I can absolutely corroborate uh, um, Cassie's near meltdown <laughs> at her wedding party. Uh, I will, however, add that the probably more likely is the probability that you saw more games that the Bills lose in general than the fact that it was to blame the chips and salsa. Uh, I say this because it's one of the few locale things that I could order and enjoy. <laughs> you mean fried tortilla chips? Yeah. That's a great for you. <laughs> but I'm going to predict the worst this week. I'm going to say Newing, or excuse me, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be worse. Yeah, the, the worst, the worst possible scenario is that the the. the Fucking Patriots show up and we have to play them instead. Um, no, worst case scenario. So that's that's what I'm going to go in assuming. So final score, New York Jets 3, Buffalo Bills 0. <laughs> they win on a last second field goal in overtime right before the game would have otherwise gone to a tie. Thanks so much for listening. We really do appreciate you being here. Tell all your friends in Bills Nation. Tell everyone you know. Billsandbeers.com. Best way to find us. Subscribe on iTunes. And we'll be here next week. Actually, we won't. We'll be taking the week off. We'll take the bye week off. So we'll be back talking about the Falcons and the Toronto game. So Sunday, we'll be watching the Bills and the Jets. Go Bills. Go Bills.
Let's go Buffalo Let's go Buffalo The bills make me wanna Shout!